Welcome to the Mindset Reset Podcast. My name is John Marty, and on the show, we dive into the mindsets of the world's foremost thought leaders and turn them into actionable insights so that you can discover greater happiness, success, and fulfillment. Today's topic is how to find passion and why passion doesn't feel like what we think it's supposed to feel like. Our guest is Stephen Kotler. Stephen's work has been nominated for two Pulitzer Prizes. He's the executive director of the Flow Research Collective. He's one of the world's leading experts on human performance, author of 13 books, nine of which have become New York Times bestsellers, including The Future is Faster Than You Think, Stealing Fire, The Rise of Superman, and now Art of Impossible, a book that lays out a specific formula that each of us can follow to live up to our fullest potential. The large majority of younger individuals that I speak to about this topic, they're not necessarily chasing purpose. They're chasing money. And I've had this personal difficulty of like money and purpose and how do you marry them together? And I have so many individuals who feel lost and they're like, John, you know, like, how do I find my passion? How do I navigate my life? And what would you say to somebody who is you know, going through that experience? So Art Impossible, the new book, is sort of the full suite of peak performance, right? It's all of cognitive peak performance, and it's the big picture and how it all works together. And more importantly, the big thing to know is with peak performance, we only have a handful of levers to work with. We have attention and action. So you have to start with basic motivators. You need the fuel to get into the game. What the research says is your friends who are chasing money are possibly doing the right thing, but up to a point. So what the research shows is that money works as a motivator and as a fuel for humans until basically our basic needs are met and we have a little leftover for discretionary spending after that point. When the research was done by Dr. Daniel Kahneman about 10 years ago, and it was about $75,000 a year money and happiness start to separate out. And if you're running an organization, for example, you're trying to motivate employees, you can use money up to about seventy-five dollars to $85,000 a year. And then they start wanting things like autonomy. They want freedom, yeah. right? Or they yeah. want to work on projects they're passionate about, a project yeah. that, right? So money is an extrinsic motivator. So they got side of yourself and sure. we need it at a basic safety and security sure. level. Once it's done, you need intrinsic motivators. So the big five are curiosity, passion, purpose, autonomy, and mastery. And why they're the big five is when you have any of those things, what do you get? Focus for free. Mm. When you're curious, you can't not pay attention. When you're passionate, you're paying even more attention. And so what people don't realize is, one, they're designed to work in a sequence. Curiosity is the foundational motivator here. And Literally, like neurochemically, curiosity is a little bit of dopamine, a little bit of norepinephrine. These are mm. like feel-good, yeah, feel chemicals, chemicals yeah, right? Yeah. Passion is the next level up. Passion is the intersection of multiple curiosities. What do you mm. get when like four or five-year curiosities hit the same point? Way mm. more dopamine and norepinephrine. Yeah. And then once you have what you're passionate about, you then need to attach it to purpose. Figure out your core passion, attach it to something greater than yourself. There's a process literally for doing this that's very straightforward once you get purpose what do you need next autonomy the freedom to pursue your purpose like 
we actually have an idea of how much time you should be spending to do this to sort of get these things to work. And once you have autonomy, freedom, you want mastery, the skills to pursue your purpose well. Once you yeah. have mastery, that's when you start layering goals in. And there's mm. three levels of goals biologically that we need to set and so forth. Meaning there's a sequence, there's an order, but it's a huge error that especially the younger population makes when it comes to passion. When I say, hey, give me an example of athletic passion. You're going to give me Shane McConkey base jumping off a cliff. LeBron James in the final windmill dunking over some right. poor, you know, yeah. his small forward's head, with a skull on his face. And people forget that's passion on the back end. Passion on the front end looks like a little kid in a mm. freaking driveway shooting balls. Curiosity. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. passion feels like that. Passion doesn't feel like passion for a very long time. Like it's a slow building fire. You yeah. cannot build the fire of passion overnight. No, you wouldn't want to. You couldn't control it. You don't want all your passion all at once. You don't have the emotional control to deal with it. Think about romantic love. That's a yeah. passion that shows up overnight. How hard right. is that to control? In a relationship, yeah. maybe you found the exact right person. I don't tend to think there is the exact right person for anybody. I think there's a lot of interesting people out there for each of us. I love that you said that. I love that you said that. Because I think people get so focused on the one, whether it comes to relationships or whether it comes to the job, right? They're looking for the one, the unicorn. And I think when it comes to like you standing in front of the hoop, being a little kid and you're just curious and you're just shooting or my kid who's seven years old, who's curious about skateboarding, right? Like that might become a passion. But there's, well, there's a- two things to know here that are really yeah. key on this one. One yeah, yeah. is almost mind-blowing. And this is David Epstein's research, not mm. mine. My friend David wrote about this in range a little bit, but it's in Art of Impossible because I read a little bit about David's work. The data shows that we cannot look at an activity, know if we're going to like it or if we're going to be good at it until we do it. Yep. Over and over again, we cannot figure out, we cannot predict what we're going to enjoy or do from the front end of it. So the point is, not only does passion not look like you think it looks at the front end of it, it's never going to feel like you think it's going to feel. Yeah, think yeah. it's going to feel like falling in love. Nothing feels like falling in love. And by the way, as you get even older, you learn that falling in love doesn't even feel like falling in love. Like people think passion is supposed to feel like what falling in love feels like between the ages of 18 and 25. If you don't couple up when you're younger, if you waited a little while into yeah. your 30s, you learn, oh crap, what I feel like you're the one, that's not always true. Right. Like, you recognize right? that like, your system is a little bit flawed. We, so at the Flow Research Collective, the only swag we have is a t-shirt that says never trust the dopamine. Flow is optimal performance, but don't go shopping in flow. Long-term planning and decision-making is turned down. Risk-taking is turned up and your sense of money is gone. Yeah. You will spend money on the stupidest shit. You'll come out of flow and you'll be like, really, that whole, I'm going to single-handedly reinvent 70s disco fashion? That was a bad <laughs> Bad plan. decision, what bad planning. thinking, you know? So like, know what the tools are used for, right? But like, again, yeah. it's not that passion isn't wonderful. It's that it's not the get out of jail free card. It doesn't no. mean life is going to feel- Exponentially better, blissful 24-7, yeah, it's right? Not, it's not a 24-7 bliss. We talk about, 
turning curiosity into passion and passion into purpose, that's the same for everyone because that's how the system itself works. It's not anything you're bringing to the system, right? Peak performers always know that the order is always crawl, walk, run. The difference with most people is they come in and they want shortcut. They're like, fuck, I don't want to crawl. I don't even know how into walking I am. I want to start jogging, right? Peak performers, best of the best, they just know there is no shortcut. So they don't waste any of the goddamn time. They're like, I love I'm that. stuck. It's going to be embarrassing. It's, it's going to be suck. terrible. Yeah. Right? And I always tell people the other thing you have to know this is true about passion. It's true about learning. It's true about like turning curiosity into passion is learning is I suck. I suck. I suck. I suck. I suck. Oh, I don't suck anymore. You're bad until you're better because you're trying to do something at the unconscious level. You're training your brain at an unconscious level to automatize a skill. When your brain has to think about doing a thing, we're bad at it. Yeah. And we can do it automatically. We're great at it, much more efficient, much more a lot of stuff. So we're always trying to do that, right? The point is put your focus someplace, turn it into an action, repeat the action enough times that it's a habit, meaning I can perform the action without thinking about it because then you can sort of freestyle on top of it. But right. it doesn't get fun. Anything doesn't get fun until you're at the freestyle on top of it. Phase, I know, right? I know. So like, and you have to suck for so long, man. That's what sucks. You do have to suck for so long. You do but, have to suck yeah. for so long. You have to learn. To you embrace the up. suck. Yeah, you have to embrace the suck. You just got to learn that like it is grueling. It's going to suck. But here's the other thing that you don't see is that peak performance works like compound interest. It's a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow, a little bit tomorrow, but you start building and it's doubling. It's like an exponential. So all the early exponentials are tiny. They don't look like you're learning anything, but suddenly it's leaps and bounds kind of progress. And that's how it works. The leaps and bounds are just as invisible as the learning. You have no idea it's coming. You know, Laird always said to me, he's like, most people look at me on a 50 foot wave and think, oh my God, that's impossible. I could never do that. What they don't see is three-year-old me on a three-foot wave and four-year-old mm. me on a four-foot wave and five-year-old me on a six-foot wave and eight-year-old, you know what I mean? They don't see the progression. When Laird goes out to surf Jaws or when Shane went to do a base jump, in their mind, they're doing something that's two or 3% harder, more difficult, more complicated. That's the risk they're taking. It's a calculated risk, yeah. The calculated acceptable risk. So the view is in light of the progression that is the sport. Because if you're going trying to go a couple feet farther, maybe yeah. it's a problem. But if you're going one inch, like that's how it happens. So, okay, you have professional athletes, you have movie stars, you have people, whoever it might be. Let's say I look up to X human, whoever it is. As soon as I look up to that individual, there is an instant barrier that I mentally create that that person is somehow different than me. Yeah. What is that, man? Everybody yeah. has that. You're absolutely correct. And it's so the human brain does us, them divides automatically at a very yeah. level. So whenever you encounter anything else that literally moves, when we see motion, the brain asks a number of questions. Is this thing like me or not like me? If it's mm. like me, maybe I should have sex with it. <laughs> or team up with it, right? Right. And if I can't have sex face, with it, I got to team up with it. Right, exactly. If it's not like me, do I eat it or should yeah. I run away? So the brain does that 
all yeah. the time. You've seen those studies where they like to say, well, people are innately racist. Like white people will look at black people and it will write and black people will look at white. That's not racism. That's your brain does. Is this thing like me or not like yeah. me yeah. automatically? It's the same thing that you're talking. It's the same when you say, oh, this person is amazing. Your brain is saying, oh, you just created a category. The amazing not me category. LeBron right? is not and, me. Yeah. Right? And, yeah, the, yeah and right. the thing that like, I always believe that like most people who end up having some sort of like elite something, getting to somewhere they're really trying to go. This is why also people say get a mentor. It's mm. not get a mentor because they're going to give you, I mean, sometimes they're going to give you great advice, Sure, but yeah. like often it's see what amazing looks like up close and you realize it's a human being. You know, Art Impossible talks about mastery as a driver and it's yeah. a foundational driver and we're miserable if we don't utilize it. Literally one of the major causes of burnout, one of the major causes of depression, like if we don't use our kind of biology in the way it was supposed to be used and that drive towards mastery is one of the big ones and it requires pushing your skills to the edge of your skill. 82% of American workers are disengaged or actively disengaged on the job. It means basically four out of five of us hate what we do with the vast majority of our time. The other 20% have jobs that produce flow. The thing that I always point out about flow is it is consistently described as the most pleasurable feeling on earth, meaning when yeah. they do studies, right? Yeah. And Obviously, it correlates directly with ecstasy and joy and all those really north of happy feelings, but it is most strongly correlated over time with things like meaning and purpose. 35 years of studying people taking on the impossible taught me a number of things. And thing one is we are all so much more capable than we know. Yeah. We are all literally biologically hardwired for the extraordinary because we mm. all share, we can all get into flow. Flow is optimal performance. We're all hardwired to do it. So we're all hardwired to move towards the extraordinary. Like peak performance is getting your biology work for you rather than against you. What happens when you don't get your biology right? Yeah. Anxiety and depression. For example, one of the major causes of anxiety and depression in the world is lack of meaningful work. Yeah. What is lack of meaningful work? Not having curiosity, passion, purpose, autonomy, mastery, flow, basically. Yeah. That's what it means. If you don't get the system working for you, it will work against you. We don't train kids in that stuff. And if we do, the extraordinary becomes much more possible because the last thing I will say on this topic is that it goes right back to everything we've been talking about with learning, which is human capability is an emergent property. Mm. It emerges when we use our skills to the utmost again mm. and again and again. And you have mm. no idea what you're capable of until you start stretching to the edge of your capability. There's about 30 years of positive psychology that have come to like a handful of overwhelming conclusions. But one of the clearest is that there are now sort of three known levels of happiness that are available to you. And the first is hedonic. How do you feel right here, right now? And there's not a lot you can do about the moment by moment because we have things called emotional set points. They're shaped sort of by nature and nurture and they sit up very early and they're flexible, but not very. And basically you have a low point and a high point and all of your life is going to take place in the middle emotionally. And as I said, they can go up or down a little bit over time, but it's really rare. So like you can get about 10% happier 
gratitude practices, mm. mindfulness practices, mm. like positive psychology tools. And depending on where you start, right? If you're really subpar, you can get back to normal and about, right? But the next level up is a high flow lifestyle. That's the second level of happiness. Mm. That is living in any way where what you're doing frequently produces flow. This could be, you know, I, I live in Tahoe. There's a ton of people around me who work construction jobs in the summer, which yeah. are kind of flowy if you like working with your hands. That's a high flow lifestyle yeah, that high counts for, right? Or they hunt. Those are high flow lifestyles. Or you could be a musician or a professional, any coder, any architect, any of these jobs that produce a lot of flow on a regular basis, writing does. I would sure. assume podcasting does. The next level up, which you were hit, getting at, is purpose. In high flow lifestyle, they call it either engagement or enjoyment. Purpose and meaning and purpose is literally. A high flow lifestyle where the thing that is producing the most flow is coupled to a cause greater than yourself. And mm. people hear them, they think, oh, that's so altruistic and sweet. Like it has nothing to do with that. It literally has to do with the fact that we are hardwired to take care of our needs and take care of those of our tribe. And yeah. that's like purpose fulfills that aspect of a phenomenal motivator, really, really great. And from a neurobiological standpoint, you're getting more feel-good chemicals as a yeah. result kind of thing for evolutionary reasons. It's not a mystical thing. It's just a really practical thing from an evolutionary perspective. It's been so awesome talking to you. I personally learned a lot. I know the audience is going to learn a ton. Where can everybody learn so, more about you and Art of Impossible? Yeah, so artofimpossible.com and go to passionrecipe.com. It's literally a five-stage process for turning curiosity into passion and passion into purpose, and anybody can run it. And theartofimpossible.com. And if you want to learn more about me, stephencotler.com. But there's really cool stuff hanging out on the Art of Impossible page right now. It's getting way more of my attention than <laughs> stephencotler.com. Okay. So there's cool stuff going on over there. I go check yeah. that out. And you guys have a podcast as well, right? Flow Research Collective Radio. We're nerdy fun. That's awesome. Thanks, man. If you want to find passion, start with curiosity, keep an open mind, and embrace the suck. Remember that we all have to crawl before we can walk and walk before we can run. But when we start running, that's when we can start freestyling on top of it. And lastly, peak performance builds like compound interest. If you like the show, Give it a subscribe. Thanks so much.